0: Welcome to Keeping It Real with Frankie D, the very first Italian-American podcast and the home of your Italian-American moment. I'm your very proud host, Frankie D, and we can be heard at italianamericanlife.com, on iTunes, Stitcher, your podcast app. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, connect with us on LinkedIn and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I would like to welcome my guest today, Paul Salsini who uh, worked for the Milwaukee Journal for 37 years as a reporter, editor and staff development director and was with the New York Times for 15 years as a correspondent and was with Marquette University for over 40 years where he taught journalism and musical theater history courses. He has also written 10 books set in Tuscany and his last, latest book I should say is Sondheim and Me Revealing a Musical Genius. Paul Salsini, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here and glad to talk about my books and my Italian heritage and
0: whatever. Well, that's great. You've had a quite a career. Uh, tell me about uh, your Italian family background, please. Okay.
1: Uh, well, <clears throat> my father was born in a little village in Tuscany. It's called San Martino in Frodana. It's northwest of Lucca. It's just a nondescript village, and he came to the United States to work. And he he lived with a family that had come from the same town earlier. That family had five sons and one daughter. Well, of course, my father and the daughter got together and they got married. So that's my mother and father. But the point is. That both sides of my family are f- are from the same village in Lucca, in, in Tuscany, uh San Martino and Fredana. So when I go there, I see the Salcini's graves and the Consani graves, and they're all mixed up. So uh I, I'm really lucky to have both sides of my family uh right in the same village, which is, and I just love Tuscany. I just love everything about it.
0: Well that's wonderful and I'm I obviously now knowing that uh I see where the inspiration for your 10 books set in Tuscany come from.
1: Right. Um and I'll tell you about the about the first one. Um my cousin Fosca who died last year uh at age 94 uh was just a marvel. She was just so wonderful and she was so excited about everything, and she was so interested in me and everything. And I, I met her not re, uh, I mean, I, I didn't meet her, I didn't go to Italy until 1962 or something like that, uh, and the, because the paper sent me to do stories there. So I was there for two weeks traveling all around Italy and writing, I think I wrote about 25 stories in those two weeks. And But the best part was the weekend in between when the photographer and I went to San Martino and Ferdana, and I met Fosca for the first time. And she just overwhelmed me with her love and devotion and her food and everything. And so I went back. The following year, I took my family back, my wife and three kids, and we stayed there as well and I just got so engrossed with uh, going there because I loved Tuscany and I loved Fosca and all her friends and her husband her husband was alive then and the point I'm getting at is that what at one point she said that during World War II she and the Nazis invaded her village San Martino, and ordered everyone out. And they all fled, literally, to the hills. And she and some friends uh, went to an abandoned farmhouse in the hills that had been in her family for centuries, but it had been abandoned then. So they stayed in this rickety farmhouse for three months with a war going on all around them. And I was so impressed by that that I thought, well, there's a story there. Uh, and, uh, and there's a, a fiction story there. And I really wanted to write it. But the problem was I didn't know Italian. I could, didn't have the time to do the research. Uh, I didn't have the you know all the resources that I would need to write a novel about this. But I was really determined to do it. So I came home and I started reading, about the war and about the uh, Nazis and about the partisans and about the allies coming north and liberating and so I think I read about 50 60 books uh before I started writing and I was so engrossed in this story I made up a lot of characters I made up too many I had to kill off some of them by the time that that I I was finished um but uh and then during this time I discovered that about twenty miles from San Martino in Frasana was a massacre—a massacre at some San, Sant'Anna di Stazzima People don't know about it, but it was the second worst massacre in in Italy during the war. What happened was this little village, Sant'Anna di Stazzima is way up on top of a mountain and it's really not a cohesive village but a string of little hamlets around the top of the hill and I have no idea how the Germans got up there with their tanks because it's such a perilous drive up there that they did and they got up there and they went from house to house killing people and they took a hundred people into the church uh into the church uh yard before, ahead, ahead of the in front of the church and surrounded them and killed them all and then burned their bodies in total it was 560 people were killed in about four hours and then the germ the Nazi I should be calling them Nazis the Nazis sat down and had their lunch well this was an incredible story for me And I had to go to Santana de Statsuma. I found a tour guide who would take me there, and I went there twice, actually. Uh, There's a little museum that honors the dead and a big monument that holds some of the bodies. And I went to the church, which has been restored, and talked to people. Uh, There was one survivor uh, who had fled the village uh, somehow, uh, and I talked to him with through the interpreter my driver and uh, so that part of this was incorporated into my story so the final version of the story is called the cello and uh, a novel of wartime Tuscany and uh it won several big awards and people really really loved it and uh it's it's um it's just a, a, a good book, and I, I wish something would happen to it, but I'm not I'll be able to do anything with it. Anyway, am I going to um,
0: too long? No, no, you're fine. You're fine. So that was the first book you wrote, the Cielo. That was the first
1: one. Well, the thing was I had created all these characters, and they were in my head. And at night I would think about them, and i said, say, what are they doing now? What are they doing now? And they would say, I wanna, I, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I mean, I, they were so real to me. There was a there was a the main character was a woman not unlike fosca and her husband nothing unlike her husband uh but otherwise all of the uh all of the other characters were were uh were fictional there was a priest there were there were the villagers there were there were the a couple of the nazis um there was a, a bunch of partisans and uh so they were all there and I kept wondering well there's I should write a sequel and the sequel was that one of the partisans uh had a lover in the village of San Martino in Fredana and no in uh, Santa Santa Ana de Statsima who was killed so he, he wanted to take revenge and that's what the, the second book is about. It's called Sparrow's Revenge because Sparrow was his name for it as a partisan. And it was her his efforts to find the killers of his lover in that village. And so that was the second time. Well, uh, so that was a decade later after the first book. As this was called Sparrow's Revenge a novel of post-war Tuscany well funny thing there those people were still in my head and I couldn't get rid of them and so I thought well a Trilogy Tuscan trilogy has a nice ring to it so I wrote another book 10 years later uh, and that was a novel of 1960s Tuscany what happened in 1960s Tuscany was the huge flood of Florence in 1966. And so the hero of that book was the boy who was just born in the first book and 10 years old in the second. And he comes of age helping the victims of the flood in 1966. So that's the story of that. that That book was called Dino's Story, a novel of 1960s. Well, as you can imagine, those people were still in my head. Uh, I didn't have enough to write a novel for the fourth book, but I did have enough to write a series of stories that were connected of these various people from the earlier books, and there were new people being added uh, to the story along along the way. So the third, the third book, the fourth book, was The Temptation of Father Lorenzo, 10 Stories of 1970s Tuscany. And, well, I won't do all, then there was the, they still were there so there was a fifth book a piazza for San Antonio five novellas of 1980s Tuscany and then finally the flag uh the fearless flag thrower of Luca nine stories of 1990s Tuscany which says the final volume of the sweeping a Tuscan series so th- there are six story six uh, books in the Tuscan series uh that I, that started the whole thing well after that i still and i was making trips to tuscany all this time it was with my same, my, my same driver uh interpreter marcello and we got to be good friends so uh i wrote a, a, another collection of stories the Ghosts of, of the Garfagnana. The Garfagnana is an area of Tuscany north of Lucca. It's very wild, very treacherous, but very beautiful. All kinds of little tiny villages scattered around. And so the the uh, this was sort of a ghost book. It's seven strange stories from haunted Tuscany. And
0: then...
1: My last book was published last year actually uh and that's a Tuscan treasury stories from Italy's most captivating region uh these stories are not connected uh but they are all set in Tuscany and besides that uh there are two children's books uh Stefano and the Christmas miracles which was um a story of the um based on the nativity set the, the my uh, crash that i have a 40 piece crash crash uh and th- these i took some of them and made a story out of them and how they what happened to them when they visited the manger and then there was another one i have a, a, a tuscan village that i got a bunch of about 30 pieces of uh, uh, tuscan village around a piazza and so um That There was another uh, grandfather tell stories about bring the Middle Ages to life in Stefano and the Tuscan Piazza.
0: Ah, I think that's it. That's a lot of Tuscany there. (laughs) So, one question. When did you write the first book? 1966. I think. 1966. 1966. So, basically, over the course of I mean, more or less 50 years. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's
1: 2006. I'm sorry. 2006. So how many years is
0: that? Oh, 2006 is when you wrote the first book. 2006, right. Oh, so it was only like 16 years ago. No. What do you mean? When you wrote your first book, The Cello? 2006. Oh, okay. So you've been writing these books for the last like 16 years.
1: Right. It's, it was about a pace up to every two years.
0: Oh, okay. I got you. I'm sorry. Okay. So the course of, yeah, you wrote like every two years a book. Well, wow, that's great. That's a lot of production.
1: <laughs> well, you know, uh, when you're writing about Tuscany, it's you can just get so absorbed in it that uh, time goes by and you create people that are really close to you. Uh, and I, I finally had to end the series because the first the the people in the first book were getting too old and and uh, and it would have been a sad story the last if I' continued it. So I let them live their lives.
0: Well, I look forward to reading the cello, and you could see that um, you're very passionate about it and in you know, uh, uh, a real thing. It's in your blood. <laughs> it's not that it's kind of like in your blood. it actually is your blood and uh and you you love it and that's great and i'm sure it comes across in the books they're they're all on amazon by the way
1: and so if a, if uh, your our listeners your viewers want to uh obtain them they're all all there and um i hope they enjoy them
0: okay so amazon paul salsini good okay and yeah, I, have a, I have a page there so you'll find oh. me. all right And that brings us to your last book, which is a completely different uh, subject title. Right. It's called Sondheim and Me, Revealing a Musical Genius. Uh, This is about Stephen Sondheim. Right. And okay, so from what I read from the book, you started corresponding with this gentleman um, years ago. And then end up doing a review, and then he has been passed on, and now you did the book. So, going back to the beginning, how did you start? How did it come about to to just even start corresponding with him? Okay. Um,
1: Well, I'd always little
0: background, if you could, of Stephen Sondheim.
1: Okay, I'd always been interested in musical theater. I remember being in eighth grade and buying the recording of South Pacific. Uh, with Mary Martin and H.C. Pinza, and playing that. You know, we lived in this little town in Upper Michigan, Hubble, uh, where there wasn't a lot to do. And so it was fun for me to listen uh, during our snowbound winters uh, to this record and imagine that I was in New York and listening to Mary Martin and H.C. Opinza singing all these wonderful songs from South Pacific well I started doing other show albums collecting other show albums and listening to them and when I got to and then I moved I went to Marquette University and when so when I moved to Milwaukee I started going to real plays and musicals uh, because I was interested in the theater um and 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 then uh, i got on the journal the milwaukee journal right after graduation and that's when my wife and i got married too i had met her at marquette and um one time i was sent to new york by the journal for a seminar uh, for two weeks and i saw a bunch of plays and one of them uh was a musical called follies f-o-l-l-i-e-s and it was I didn't know anything about it, and I didn't know who wrote it or anything. I just stumbled into it, and it just blew me away because it was this story about two couples who come back to New York for a reunion of the Follies girls, The, the you know, the, 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 like the Ziegfeld Follies. Uh, and But the thing is that the wife of one of the couples has always been in love with the husband of the other couple, though he does not return her love. And so it's a story with many, many labels, layers of, of, of uh, especially of the follies of our lives. And the score was so wonderful. It was just so uplifting and, and it, like people were writing uh, some soliloquies and monologues and singing them. It was just like nothing I had ever seen. So I came back and uh, I started doing research on the composer who was named Stephen Sondheim. And I hadn't seen his earlier shows, which were Company, and a, a funny thing happened on the way to the Forum. But I started re- reading everything I could about him, and, and he kept producing. Two years later, uh, the Follies was in 1972. Two years later, he wrote another show called Little Night Music. A few years later, he wrote another show called pacific overtures then one called sweeney todd and then one called merrily we roll along and then one called uh sunday in the park with george and the one called into the woods Uh, and you know he just kept producing these and every one of them was different everyone had a was based on a, a strong story but the score was so unusual um when he died i would just read you a quote uh, one of the critics said that Stephen Sondheim was the theater's most revered and influential composer lyricist of the last half of the 20th century, and the driving force behind some of Broadway's most beloved and celebrating shows. Celebrated shows. So he was, he was very well known, and you know, people just waited for another Sondheim show. Well, I was as i said kind of captivated by his work and in the 1980s i started doing research on his earlier shows and i finally got the gumption to write him a note saying tell me about uh, a show that you wrote uh, when you were 25 years old it was called saturday night and um and uh, it was never produced because the producer died and he wrote back, and not only did he answer my question, but he sent me a cassette tape of the backer's edition of Saturday night. I mean, that was so rare and so kind and so generous. I mean, who he didn't know me, some guy in Milwaukee who had never heard of before, and he sends me this cassette tape. Well, you know, it's kind of blew me away. And so we every once in a while, I'd write him a note, and I'd ask him about some show that he'd written or or was writing, and he'd write back. And and then in 1994, uh, uh, I got the idea that I'm a journalist. Well, first of all, I, w- I was trying to write. I was planning to write a book, and I just didn't have the time or the en- energy or the resources to do that. So I thought, well, I'm a journalist. I can do something else I could do a magazine and so I founded a magazine called the Sondheim Review and it was a quarterly magazine uh and I know our, your viewers can't see this but here is uh some copies of what they what they look like and um and so I I you know I can't imagine doing that I, I had my what kind of shirts did I have to start a magazine. I mean, I was working full time. I had a family and the, my kids were having kids. And, and, you know, but I did. So I did. I rounded up in, uh, some uh, writers and editors and a designer and a business manager and I found a printer nearby and we put out this
0: magazine. And may but I it, ask you did you uh, like let him know or kind of ask him, like, hey, is this okay if I do this magazine about you?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I didn't have to ask his permission, but uh, I said, thought I'd better, I should. So I did. And uh, he didn't write back, but he called one Sunday afternoon. Hi, this is Steve Sondheim. Well, you know, I'd never talked to the man before, and so that was a little unnerving. But he talked, uh, and I tried to explain. This was not a fan magazine this was and it wasn't a scholarly journal it was a journalistic uh, approach Uh, we would have news and reviews and essays and interviews and all kinds of things but it was all going to be journalism and i don't think he quite understood what that was but uh he did he was interested in it and but he really wanted to talk about and your readers will be interested in this he was writing a show called passion and it was based on the italian movie passione di Amore. i don't know if anybody knows that uh it was it's a a, a very grim uh, movie uh about a very sickly woman who uh falls in love with this young soldier and pursues him and he had uh, at first is repelled but then the force of her love forces and forces him to begin to love her or her and it's a really dramatic story but also very kind of sad um and so he, he wrote this musical called passion Uh, based on this movie and he asked me uh during that first conversation if i had ever seen *Passione d'amore and i said i'd seen a lot of italian movies but i had not seen that one and um he said okay and the following week he sent me a videotape of *Passione d'amore i mean this was before dvds um i couldn't believe that he did would do that but this is the kind of man he was (laughs) uh he, he uh he 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 really was in. he wanted people to uh know about this show and it was you know it was it was kind of grim people walked out in the during rehearsals during reviews uh pre- previews and um but it did win the Tony Award, and it did have a decent run on on Broadway, and it's been revived in regional theaters every once in a while. Um, so uh, that was that was the first issue. Uh, Passion was on our cover, and a lot of interviews. I interviewed Sondheim because I had seen a preview, and uh, we talked about the show and what he was trying to do with it. So that was the start of the Sondheim review, and.
0: Um, How long did I, that go for? I'm sorry. How long did the uh, Sondheim review go for?
1: Well, I stayed with it for 10 years. I, uh, and then I thought, well, I gotta get a life. I mean it was really it was really a lot of work. Uh, I, I had I traveled a lot. I went to see shows. Uh, there was a big uh, Sondheim celebration in Washington uh in 2002 I think uh I wish they had uh new productions of six of his shows I went to all of those I went to New York I went to Los Angeles I went to Dallas uh you know Chicago of course and Minneapolis um but anyway it was a lot of work and so I finally gave it up to my assistant who continued it until 2016 and then it died unfortunately it's the copies are very rare now it's not online we really should have put it online but uh we did not that was, it was you know that people weren't doing it then and um so it's you find some copies on eBay sometimes but um they're very hard to get um and and people say well you know I really w- would like it but uh, I have one set I used to have more but I've don't have them anymore
0: now I would assume that you you met him in person then I'm sorry correct you met him in person I did
1: never met him in person uh during this whole course of uh the 10 years he would send me notes we were supposed to meet at one point but then something happened and he couldn't meet me but he we were in frequent converse conversation uh he would send me notes and letters and we would talk on the phone and um and we we were just uh, you know very uh very not close but he kept an eye on the magazine he was very concerned that every uh everything in the in the magazine was accurate and he found a little mistake he would tell us and Uh, He would uh, he would get upset if we did something that he didn't like. But I was a journalist and I was an editor. And so, you know, I just kept on doing what journalists do. And that is report what is
0: going on. Well, from what I gathered from the book, uh, which it's kind of um, startling to understand that you never met him. However, it seems like you had a very... um, kind of a close relationship with him that over the course of these 10 years that you uh, exchanged letters, notes, talked on the phone, and probably you got to know him probably way better than most people and really had a behind-the-scenes view of him, uh, which definitely helped write a book about him after he passed. So you had invaluable information that others would not have had.
1: I think so. I think that's why that's why the subtitle is revealing because it, it does reveal um, Sondheim as a person. Uh, my my uh, subtitle is putting a human face on a legend uh, because you know he's up there on a pedestal for many many people, and you know after he died, I mean he, he was practically canonized uh, because people just. Thought he was God, I mean, literally. And, you know, he's a, he was a human being like everybody else. And uh, he had his faults. And he was, uh, he had a very, it was very complicated. Uh, I think he was in therapy most of his adult life. He had a very bad childhood. His mother was very domineering and very strange. And so I think he carried a lot of the baggage with him through his life. Uh he was very generous and kind and but uh, also he has some quirks that uh turn people off and and you know everybody said well he's a genius well i don't know that that's an
0: excuse uh you know geniuses are people too that is true yes but uh i highly advise the book um like i said i feel i felt like you had this uh you had a uh, access to him that probably most everyone did not. So it's uh, it's a very good book, very good information, and uh, I look forward to reading your your uh, books about Tuscany. Right. And you it sounds like you have been a very very busy man and continue to be over the course of the last uh, of your lifetime.
1: Well, it's been very gratifying, and and what has really been gratifying is now that the book is out, is talking to people like you, and and letting other people know about my work, um, my Tuscany books, and this book. Um, uh, you know, I did I didn't have a way of telling people before, and now. You've given me this kind of opportunity, and I appreciate it very much.
0: Well, it's been my pleasure. And, uh, Paul, keep your Tuscan heart going. The
1: one thing I want to do is go yes. back to my Tuscany books. Yes. I have I have the characters, and I have the, the setting, but I don't have the story. Uh, so I'm trying, you know, in between all this other stuff with Sondheim, I'm trying to think of a story that I could write set in Tuscany and be at least back there in mind, if not in
0: body. Will you make more trips to Tuscany? I'm not able to travel anymore. I'm sorry. Oh, oh I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But you have a lot of memories there. You had a lot of trips there. Oh yeah. I had uh, 13. That's that's great. Well, Paul, thank you so much for the interview. Uh, highly recommend your books go on Amazon, Paul Salsini and... Like I said, keep your Tuscan heart going and keep that pen going, okay?
1: You keep going, you and you keep going with this Italian-American broadcast. I'm going to be following it really closely now.
0: Well, thank you, thank you. I definitely will, thank you.
1: Okay.